everybody and welcome to the Talking City Podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and I am once again, once again, once again, sick as a dog. I'm here with my lem sip, I'm soldiering through, but if at any point I sound like Sean Dyche stuck in a headlock or start coughing uncontrollably, I can only apologise right now in advance. But also joining me, hopefully feeling much more sprightly and less bunged up than I, is Mr Joe Bray. Joe. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm a lot better than you by the, by the sounds of things. But no, Sean Dyche is uh, quite an accurate uh, comparison there, isn't it? It's been a long battle. I was, I, was, I was nearly over it last week, but then I went away for the weekend and a long, a long weekend of sin has meant it's come back with a vengeance. <laughs> but uh, we carry on regardless because there's a lot of City stuff to talk about. We'll start with the, the most recent... Um, last night on a Wednesday night, City kind of rounded off their Champions League group stage in style, belated style. They defeated Sevilla three-one. It was um, you know, the old as the old cliche goes, it was a pretty much a game of two halves. It was a, a really dreadful, boring, flat, dull, just depressing <laughs> half at first when uh, you know a really flat evening from City's football to the understandably a bit um, depleted crowd due to tra- traffic chaos in the city and um, the, the, the rain, obviously, in Manchester. Everything kind of combined for quite a dour atmosphere at first in that first half um, when City went behind to Rafa Mears' header. But um, life was breathed, breathed, bro, breathed into? Like, what did you even say there? Life was breathed into? That's not right. What is the saying? It's not right, but I don't know what is right, so I'm leaving life... that one to you. Life was spark. Oh God, who knows? But Rico Lewis and Julian Alvarez breathed life into the event, turned things around. Alvarez at the heart of everything, two assists and a goal in the three-one win. But we will start with the star of the show, Rico Lewis. Joe, I mean, I think he's coming for quite a bit of praise on this podcast already so far this season with his few cameos. And um, I think was it is was it against Bournemouth? I want to say he made his debut, uh, or Southampton, one of the two, whichever they played at home. And then the following day, he was in action for um, the youth team, playing pretty much the whole game. If I'm correct, um, he's having quite the meteoric rise, even a sharper one than Phil Foden. Really, when you when you consider how much he's playing already at just 17, it's like wow, Guardiola must and rightfully so see a lot in him with the amount of football he's already getting. Yeah, and it seems like this wasn't necessarily the plan. I was, I was thinking back to last season and he was in the under-18s this time last season. He wasn't even in the, the under-23s and it was only sort of towards the end of the season where he was getting his chance and he scored a couple of goals towards the end and, and deserved his call up there. But then he was then only in the uh, in the senior squad in the summer because of the lack of the lack of fullbacks and uh, he was the right-back cover if you like, in, in the summer. But it seems like on that pre-season trip, he's taken that chance and he's run with it and he's really impressed the coaches and and done enough to to show that he can be someone who can stand in for these kind of games. And and if Walker or Cancelo needs a rest at the end of a, a big win, he can come in. These sort of dead rubber games, these cup games, he can he can step in and you forget that he's 17 when you're watching him. Like obviously He's not always going to be in the right place. He's, he might need some help sometimes. And that was the case last night in the first half. I thought there was quite a few times Guardiola was pointing him, telling him where to be. And he needed a little bit of help at times in maybe just decision-making. But um, I think Sevilla started to target him and then realised 
maybe with there's better angles to get in behind him, which is a, a credit to him. And because he was him, him and Sergio Gomez were basically inverting as the defensive midfielders, as as you would expect Jao Cancelo to do. And again, you forget it's a 17 year old who's who's able to to play this tactical role. He's not just fitting in at fullback and going up and down the wing and, and just looking after himself. He's playing quite a, a important tactical uh, position within within the squad. Um, and all the other players were trusting him as they would um, one of the more senior players. So I think he deserves credit for that. And if the, if, he, if his first half was a little bit shaky, then his second half was very, very impressive. And and that goal was just showed how confident he is. And he's clearly got the trust of, of his manager, his teammates. Um, he likes that finish. I, I, I knew it was familiar. And I, I looked back to the last game of the season in the Premier League 2 back in April. City's youngsters played at the Etihad. And Cole Palmer set him up for a pretty identical goal. Slipped it through the fullback and the and the centre back in the area, tight angle, and he just put his laces through it and, and found the top of the net. So we know he can do it. He hit the post against Bayern Munich in, in the summer, jinked his way through. He's he's confident going forward. Um and it, yeah, you were just it was one of those goals where not only did it spark a bit of life into a dull game and and a, an atmosphere that needed something like that, but you could see how delighted the players were for him, um, and he, he deserves he deserves all the all the credit he gets. But he's not going to be playing regularly. He's not going to be sort of the next Kyle Walker at seventeen. He'll still need a lot of time. Just because he scored now doesn't mean he's going to be City's next right back for the next fifteen years. But uh, he can be pretty happy that so far this season he's he's standing up to every test he's getting, and uh, what an experience for for a seventeen year old. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, like he's kind of come in. Uh, I think it, the amount of cameos he's getting, he, he he has played really well. I think you're right. In the first half, he was coming in into that kind of inverted midfielder role. But then when Rodri mm-hmm. kind of comes on in the second half, who can pretty much control the midfield like that on his own, he was given more of a license to run the flanks. I think that was when you did see more of that, um, more of it come into his own. Obviously, when you grow up as a right back. Um, you know, you, you. I think you're pretty much just told to run the flanks all all your life and just do as much as you can either side of the pitch. Whereas Guardiola is such a kind of different and unique way at times how he utilizes them fullbacks. It can be quite a jarring thing to get used to, especially when you know you're 17 coming into a senior Champions League match. It, and I thought he acquitted himself well, as you say, but it's certainly. I think it's hard to quite if you're not Jao Cancelo, who's pretty much the um the universal footballer at this point. I think it's quite hard to really shine when you're doing that role if you're not really kind of familiar with it. So, But when the kind of the tactical chains, so to speak, were kind of let go of him in that second half, you're really impressed. He was up and down that flank all the time. City was so much better for it having that width um, as well. As Guardiola said, he, you know, City, it, that with Sevilla having five at the back and two midfielders, it was a really flooded Flooded central area in that pitch, so the whips, the wings were quite exposed. I say, let um, Lewis have the space to kind of go through and lash in his goal. And I say, he had a shot in the first half, didn't he, from 30 yards? So he clearly does have um, kind of a keen eye for goal as well, which is a useful thing to have, no doubt. I say, we've we've kind of talked a lot. When he did that one at Bayern Munich, he was playing playing left back, no, as well, or at least his run was on the left side, I want to say. I want to say his shot was with his weaker foot, at least, because I think I feel like he was on the, he might have ended up on the left side. But 
you know, we talked a lot about City's kind of problems with a lack of depth at fullback. So for Lewis to be coming through at this age, 17, I should say, you're right, you pretty much skipped the EDS completely. Was the captain of the under-18s last year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And when, you know, him and um, CJ Egan Riley, obviously, um, all both captained the youth teams to trophies last season. And, you know, e- Egan Riley was sold in the summer to Burnley. Juan Larios um, sold as well. These kind of more senior senior youngsters who were probably ahead of him in the pecking order were, uh, were left in the summer and he's really taken his chance. Obviously, Wilson Esbrand came on on the other flank later on with 20 minutes. I thought he looked quite comfortable as well and it really does board well for City. If, you know, we've seen Walker's been injured. He's had two stones and a kanji and a at fullback. That will almost certainly continue to happen in games that aren't dead rubbers. But to have those young options available for the games, you know, especially when the the cup starts, um, when the cups kick off, um, I believe City play Chelsea, don't they, in the Cairo Cup coming up soon? Then the FA Cup after the World Cup. It's good to have as many options as possible. And, and you touched on something there: how important it was to the crowd. Like a dead rubber like that, when there's literally nothing to play for. Sevilla didn't even have anything on the line. They usually. The only thing you can get out of them is seeing experimental sides, young players. And Guardiola tends to be a bit of a killjoy in those dead rubbers. We've talked about it before. Last season, when it was the case, he kind of plays, uh, if not a full-strength team, a first-team squad, pretty much. No youngsters rarely get a chance. It'll be the second keeper, players who aren't playing as much, etc. and so on. So for Lewis and Cole Palmer, both to start, and to, uh, I thought Palmer didn't, shine or anything but I thought he had a really it was almost as if he was a first team squad rotation coming in he, it, was, it was almost as if Palmer didn't need to impress because he just quietly ticked everything along I think he had one brilliant dinked pass for Grealish at one point that nearly mm-hmm. came off um but as we say to have to have finally have the young players get a chance is something that fans can get behind and for it to be a local lad Burry Bourne come in score a goal celebrate like that you know, it, it, the game meant nothing, but the goal clearly meant so much, not only to Lewis, but to all the supporters and to his teammates. And you've seen the, the kind of aftermath of that with his reaction once he'd been substituted. Yeah, definitely. He was, uh, he had he had cramp, I think, and he wanted to walk across the halfway line back to uh, the tunnel and, and take what was a deserved standard ovation, but the referee made him go off the other side. But that in turn meant that he had to then walk three three sides of the pitch and he got an even bigger stand innovation and the fans were thinking, you know, one of our own and, and Rico. And I think there's, it's easy with City when they're spending millions of pounds on world-class players to get carried away with watching these incredible players. But if you ask any City fan and any football fan, really, there's nothing better than having a player come through the academy and, and be successful. And I'm not saying he's going to, have a long career at City because there was a lot of hurdles in the way. But for him to come in on his first start, um, he set a new Champions League record, didn't he, for the uh, uh, youngest player to score on his first first start in the Champions League. To to have someone from the academy do that, it, it creates the link between the first team and the academy. And the academy is also a link between the fans and the club because you can see that there are players from the local area who are doing what all these people understand what to do and, and play for City and, and be successful. So, yeah, um, there was a lot of love for uh, for for Lewis. And also, you mentioned Cole Palmer there. We rarely get to see him for more than 20 minutes at a time. So to see him for, I think it was 60, 70 minutes was 
really encouraging. And as you say, he looked like he was just another City player who didn't look out of his depth at all, even if he wasn't involved so much in in any sort of attacking in attacking moves. But to see him alongside Phil Foden in the midfield, I bet there was quite a lot of City fans hopeful that, that that's not the last time you see a, a partnership of Foden and Palmer because that'd be a homegrown academy midfield and it's got a lot of potential. And uh, yes, City did change it at half-time. It wasn't perfect, but um, it was something that I think will be revisited if, if the opportunity presents itself in the future, especially Foden. I thought that was the best I've seen him play in, in a central role in terms of getting involved, linking with other players. Um it might have suited City better to have him out on the wing in the second half, but in the first half, I was quite impressed with Foden. And uh, if he's going to the World Cup and he might be playing more in the centre, then uh, I'd imagine Gareth Southgate was looking at that and thinking, yeah, this this guy knows what the position is in the centre rather than just going on the wing and getting it and attacking his fullback. There's the, the tactical discipline that Guardiola has always said Foden might be lacking. I think he started to show a bit more of that last night. And while it was a good a good evening for you know City's right back, there was definitely contrasting fortunes mm-hmm. for the left back. Uh, Sergio Gomez, you know, he's he'd come in, he's had he's got a bit of a redeeming to do after he picked up a silly red card in Copenhagen, but he he didn't he didn't do it sadly. He basically made two mistakes in the build up to the goal. He was quite easily out muscled and shoved off the pitch um, as Sevilla won the corner, and then it was him. He, he probably shouldn't have been marking. Um, Sevilla's obviously most um, dangerous striker and tall, tall, tall burly <laughs> front man. Um, but he was marking, he was the closest player to Rafa Mer, but not close enough, evidently. Kind of left him completely unmarked and allowed him to quite nonchalantly head back across the goalkeeper and into the net. Um, apart from that kind of um, significant moment, I thought his performance overall not the best at the back at least I thought he still looks pretty good going forward I think he kind of gets involved well I think he's got a nice wicked shot on him um he's a good option and an attacking sense which probably makes sense given he was brought up as a forward at Borussia Dortmund but um defensively and positionally he, he doesn't he he didn't really fit in that team I don't think and he as, as you've kind of eloquently put it's a match he should have been playing 90 minutes in and he didn't he came off with 20 to go. He's certainly not the sort of player Guardiola would need to be resting ahead of a Premier League match. And I think if you've got it right, it'd be very surprising if we see him again, at least starting um, in 2022. Yeah, you've sort of taken my answer out of my mouth, but he, he was just a bit, you, you felt like this was a real chance. He's not featured since that red card. He's been on the bench in the Premier League, but like no chance of him ever coming on. And you thought this was a chance to, to show that He's learned from that mistake because against Copenhagen, he got sent off because he was the wrong side of his man and and he, he had to make that silly foul. It was those sort of things that you could tell Guardiola was getting a little bit frustrated at, sort of positionally, giving the ball away a few times, maybe not making the right decision. And yeah, you're right, going forward, he was okay. He was tucking in quite well Uh to help the to help the midfield and then allow Foden and Palmer to get forward a bit more. But if Sevilla started by trying to target Rico Lewis, I think they soon realised that the best chance was to get down their right and, and City's left and target Gomez. And that's where their goal came from. They won the corner on that side. The 
the corner, as you say, he was then left to mark the tallest striker on the pitch. I don't know, as you say, if it's him. Ruben Diaz looked around straight away and looked at Gomez and looked furious. Now, whether that's Diaz trying to cover his own tracks because he was also in no man's land. But yeah, it looked like it was two errors in the same move that cost City the goal from from Gomez. And if he was looking at the game, he he should have had 90 minutes. And if Josh wilson Esbaum was going to come on, which he should have done, it probably should have been for Rico Lewis and maybe reshuffle the defence a bit. Maybe you could have moved Gomez over to the right if he's played further forward on the right in his career, just to give those players time. But it was a fairly obvious choice. He just wasn't having a good game. And it was it was quite telling that when he it was a double substitution, he came off first. Guardiola walked to the other side of his technical area, looking as far away as possible as Gomez trudged off. And then when Cole Palmer's the next to come off, he makes sure he goes straight to Palmer, gives him a high five, gives him a pat on the head and all smiles and hugs. So, uh, yeah, it looked like he wasn't best pleased with uh, with Gomez. And you're looking at the fixtures to come. Then I don't think they're going to play him in either of the two Premier League games. I think the the strategy of using Stones or Kanji, obviously Kanji might have an injury problem now because he, did, he wasn't in the squad yesterday but using one of those players as a another fullback seems to be a better option than than Gomez at the moment and against Chelsea Guardiola has said he's going to change things but I don't think he would trust Gomez at the moment against an attack that has players like um, Pulisic, Sterling, uh, Havertz, players like that who are tactically aware and will be able to to exploit it if, if Gomez isn't in a position so yeah I'd be surprised if he plays for City um, before the World Cup, he won't be called up for the Spain squad, so he could have I don't know seven eight weeks now without without a game, and uh, maybe have to work hard on on the training pitch and in the potential summer camp in or winter camp in, in Abu Dhabi to to get his way back into Guardiola's plans. Mm, I, d- I do hope Guardiola just doesn't ignore him for the rest of time. You know, <laughs> like, you squandered me, and then now you just cold shoulder for the rest of his time at City. That'd be quite mean. <laughs> I hope. And once the limelight's off, he gives him a little ad around the shoulder and, you know, hopefully tells him where he's gone wrong. Maybe, maybe the break will him good if he can just sort of re- refresh a bit and there might be some players who come back injured or out of form at the World Cup and he might have a chance again. But at the moment, I can't see him getting in the squad. I don't want to be overly simplistic just because they're both Spanish, but you do kind of get Angelino vibes a bit, don't you? <laughs> um, from what I've seen, I think he is better than Angelino. Um especially his first few appearances. But I, I would say it seems like that red card has knocked the confidence out of him because he, he didn't look anything like the player we've seen in, in the first few appearances when he played last night. He he looked like he had a point to prove and he knew it and it, he just didn't rise to, to that challenge. Well, someone who certainly did prove a point was Julian Alvarez. He comes in, Haaland's been injured the last couple of games. Alvarez hasn't really been involved in the score sheet, but here... He not only scored um, the goal, that the decisive goal that put C ahead, a brilliant finish at that, kind of running around the keeper to the point where it looked like he might have gone too far, but then expertly kind of rifling it into the roof of the net after De Bruyne's predictably a brilliant pass. But he also set up um, the the other two goals, the third one through some really kind of, of all the things he did on the pitch, I reckon this kind of relentless pressing and this tenacity to win the ball back may well have impressed Guardiola the most. He kind of, you know, game's dead pretty much at that point. See, a ball but one, and he's there, still running, still hurrying, gets the ball back and has another perfect pass for Mares to slam to fire in. And of course, that first one is a, is a brilliant um, free ball uh, for Lewis. Like, 
you know, we don't know um, the extent to Haaland's injury yet. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. But if Alvarez can kind of keep this up and have a, you know, Fulham at the weekend, which we'll touch on a bit more later, um, if he can kind of carry that, this performance in Sevilla going forward, then it's certainly going to board well for him. Because I, I was really impressed. I thought he looked, um, you know, not only looked really good in his overall play, but he was really decisive when it mattered. I would agree with you with his second half. I was I'd pretty much written a, a piece saying he works very, very hard and you can't fault his effort at all. But he's in a really unfortunate position where he's only going to play if Haaland can't play or the game's won. And he's he's never going to get a system that plays to his strengths because if he's playing, it's because it's probably a weaker team or like there are other changes as well. We've never seen him lead the line without Haaland in a full-strength City side set up to attack. And there have been factors against that. So in, in Copenhagen, he was chosen on his own to give Haaland a rest. And then the red card came and City didn't attack for the rest of the game. In Dortmund, Haaland went off injured. Then he led the line, but both teams were more than happy to to set up for a point. And it seemed like against Sevilla, there was no real intent for either team. Sevilla got a goal from a corner and City looked quite content just to knock the ball around and see what happened and it just wasn't playing to his strengths. We saw it against Leicester who put 11 men behind the ball for 70 minutes and gave gave Alvarez absolutely no space and he's a player who will never stop running, he'll always close you down and we've seen that but he's not the sort of player like Haaland who can make the chances for himself. He sort of needs a bit of ammunition and it, it felt like he was going to have another performance where there was not a lot he could do. He's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But then Guardiola changed the system and he took Jack Grealish off and brought Rodri on. And in turn, that meant that there was a little bit more space because Foden had moved wide and he, uh, Alvarez could drop a little bit into that space. And there was a, just a bit more opportunity for him to get on the ball and, and run with it or run onto it. Um and we saw that with, with his assists, he sort of reacted quickest to a loose ball and slips in um, Lewis. He's, he's been very aware of his teammates throughout whenever he does play. So that wasn't a surprise and that was probably a, a real confidence booster. And then the goal is the first time, I think, since he's arrived. Um, I can't think of any other goal that he's scored where he's had so much time to run and a through ball like that from Kevin De Bruyne because... I doubt he's been on the pitch at the same time as De Bruyne that often because Alvarez is second choice and De Bruyne is first choice. And uh, the one time that they do combine is a fantastic through ball. And that's the kind of goal that we saw on those compilations of, of River, River Plate, wasn't it? Where he's he's running onto balls and rounding keepers and finishing really confidently. And you could tell he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And when he knew, when he knew that he was going to pop it around the keeper, he, he then knew and was confident of uh, finishing from that tight angle. And I, th- I think that will be a real, real relief for him to show that he can do that. And I think you're right with the assist for Mahrez as well. He made that goal. That was a result of the pressing. And Guardiola said after the game that he, he reminds him of uh, Gabriel Jesus. And uh, I think we're seeing, we're going to see quite a lot of similarities in that he's second choice. He's not always going to get this, the, the chances. He's not going to get the key attacking men behind him all the time and he's going to have to make chances for himself and it's not always going to be easy but um, no, I think that second half was will really, really progress his confidence and his development at, 
at City because it's always been a struggle without Haaland this season. I think I looked before the game. Let me just uh, rediscover those stats. Yeah, without without Haaland, they averaged a goal every 60 minutes before this game, before Sevilla. And with him, it was every 27 minutes. So it's City just don't score as many when Haaland isn't playing naturally because Haaland is very good at making those chances. But I think after the game, it's now a goal every 50 minutes without Haaland. So Alves deserves a lot of credit for bringing that down and making those goals himself. And hopefully he can uh, kick on because he was saying in the week it was dead. It was really difficult to find the space and he's, he's now shown what he can do when he has that that space. So um, I would think that that 45 minutes is going to really do him a lot of good going forward. Yeah, I mean, if one forward has kind of shown he's at least capable of doing it at Highland, I think one who hasn't lived up to that test of helping kind of City get the goals is kind of Jack Grealish. Like, we've talked about him loads and loads and loads over the last few weeks. There's been ups, there's been downs. It looked like we were on a pretty steady um, incline again. It looked like he really belonged again in the aftermath of that Dortmund home match. But then he's kind of come out of the scene recently and these last three games he has started. But he's not really had much of an impact in any of them. And quite interestingly, me, me and yourself were talking about this earlier. And um, all three of those last um, games that really started against Sevilla, against Brighton and against Leicester, all of them have played with a back three um, and with two midfielders in front. And it just seems like you know Grealish was hooked at half-time. Guardiola did say it was because he's been saved for Fulham at the weekend. But he couldn't help but betray the tactical thinking behind it as well. And he, he basically said that with them having five at the back, there, there wasn't enough space and City just weren't having as much impact going forward. When Rodri came on, as we touched on earlier, the fullbacks were allowed to be a lot more um, direct on the flanks. Foden went out wide and there was just a lot more um, of, of a pacing quality of City's attack. Whereas Grealish, as we know, kind of drifts inside into that middle part of the pitch. And when that's flooded, um, he just doesn't have the space to operate, and it's a bit of a worry that you know three games, um, three games in three games he started, three games started against a back five with um, two midfielders in front, and three games where he's really kind of struggled to impose himself. Now, maybe that's just a part of the course. He's you know you use a specific club for a specific um, part of the uh, f- um, the golf course. I don't play, no, I don't play golf, <laughs> and and. Um, Maybe you just don't use Grealish in back five situations, but if a player who costs so much and should, you know, we know he's so good, he should be able to be used against the, in these sort of games. And is it getting a bit concerning now with Grealish? He had that little bit of a purple patch. I'm thinking the Wolves game, the United game, and the 5 0 win against Copenhagen. Those were three starts in a row in which he only scored against Wolves and didn't get any assists either in the others, but he was involved in most of the goals and was playing really well. But that's he's not really having that sort of um, a kind of impact on the game recently. I think those three games you mentioned were more open, weren't they? United mm, exactly. were just terribly defensively, but they were trying to attack as well and left a lot of space. Wolves were quite sort of counter-attacking and gave a few punches, even though City uh, did win in the end. And they had a red card, so there was automatically a bit more space for Grealish as well. And Copenhagen, because City scored early, they they just sort of gave up really and and he was able to get on the ball. I think it's a bit like Alvarez that he's not playing badly, but he's also not getting involved in, in the goals and assists. So I, I, I'm, I would be more concerned that Alvarez isn't scoring. Obviously, 
did uh, on Wednesday night, but um, he's a striker. His job is to score. I think for Grealish, his job generally is to slow the game down and then find someone in space. He said himself, Guardiola said himself, it's not always about scoring or assisting. I think just for his sort of public image, he could do with some goals. He could really do with some goals. And you're looking at sort of the game against Leicester and, and against Sevilla and you're thinking, right, these are real chances where you can run at your defence. But in reality, as you say, they're all back fives and uh, not just that, they've got defensive midfielders back as well and crowded them out and it's hard for him to to create space. And I think Guardiola is right. He probably was the best player. He was looking to make things happen. He had a couple of runs where he really he got through and took on a couple of players and, and then got brought down as he always does. Um, same again against Leicester. He, he had a couple of penalty shouts where he got into the box and, and forced the defender to do something. Um, but tactically, it was the right decision, as Guardiola proved, to take him off at half-time. And um, I don't think he would lose his place for Fulham. I think because he played the whole game against Leicester, it was also fair to take him off. I don't, yeah, I really don't think he's playing badly. I think he's doing what Guardiola wants, but he could do do with some goals. And if you look against Leicester, the one time that he had the ball and he was able to run forward and there was no one on to pass to, because his job is to get it and pass to someone else and keep possession. The one time he couldn't do that, he just kept running and running and suddenly he was brought down 25 yards from goal and then Kevin De Bruyne puts that in, in the top corner and, and City win a game that they might not have done because there was so little space. So I wouldn't say he's he's performing that badly recently. I don't think it's concerning. Um, I think he could do with some goals to, to maybe shut some people up and... I'm seeing so much about Miguel Almiron. It's it's getting boring now. That <laughs> I, I just want Grealish to score a couple of goals and and show that he's not all. It's not about it's not direct comparisons about goals and assists anymore. Um, but yeah, I think Guardiola will be happy with him. Um, I think he could have a good good role for England in the World Cup, given the way he's been playing this this season so far. But if if you would offer him two or three goals in the next three games, I think it would be mm. beneficial to to all parties. Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's just about kind of the goals or assists myself. And I mean, there was one bit in the first half we had a lovely one too with Gundogan. Was it? Was it him? He, he started the move. Foden maybe. Went through. Yeah, it was one two yeah. Foden. Really started the move. He gave it to Gundogan. But he, he is involved in stuff. Like he he gets the ball. It's not like when he gets the ball, he's bad with it. And he, but he, to me, he just doesn't feel like he grabs anything by the scruff of the neck. And maybe he's been told not to do that. I don't know. But it just feels like when Foden gets on the ball, you think, oh, De Bruyne. Um, you just feel like, oh, something's going to happen here. Like, there's, it feels like their heads are on a swivel. They're looking for the exciting pass. Some, there's a bit of impetus about him. Grealish at the minute, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I, I love him. I think he's a great player. Um, and I don't think he's playing particularly badly or anything. I don't think he's playing particularly well. Or not even, not even that. He's just not. He's just not taking. I don't know what it is. He's just not. He's an hundred million pound player. I don't want to, you know, brush someone with a price tag, but. You know, because it's not it's not really his fault or anything. It was the release clause, of course. But you just want a bit more. I don't know. You just want, and again, maybe Guardiola's telling him not to do more. Maybe Guardiola's just telling him, listen, just just pass it back to Gundogan or Bernardo, or whatever. Be patient, and you know, and then he's doing his job. I'm not his boss, um, but you know, as a football enjoyer, as a fan, as a writer about it, I just wish I could see him do a bit, be a bit more exciting because we know. He's got it in him. He did it against the Wolves. He was brilliant in that game. Despite taking a, a full-blown stub to the nuts, he was mint. He, he was 
grabbing the ball and driving 30 yards with it. And he's never been a pacey player, but he's so difficult to get the ball off when he's in full flow because he's just got like kind of that gas going there, slow center of gravity where he can just carry it with him. And they say he usually ends with him getting scythed down. But I just I just want to see a bit more from him. And I think everyone does. I think when the biggest concern from like your average football fan when he came to City is that you will, you will lose that ingenuity when he goes to City because he'll get kind of moulded down into what Guardiola wants from him. But I think it's going a bit, even a bit more than I expected within a minute. I just hope we can get a bit more, more a bit more of a spark, a bit more of excitement, as I say. Um, you know, especially, I know he came off at half time, but in games like that, when it's dead rubbish, I was, I was just, you know, it just feels like we're always waiting for Grealish to just do that a little bit more. Instead, he's just kind of clogging along, which again, might be better for him, better for Guardiola, but as a selfish person who wants to see exciting players do exciting things, I just wish we saw a bit more from Grealish. But I'll tell you, he did do something quite exciting on the pitch. Um, it was uh, Stefan Ortega. There was one point when he came out <laughs> about four yards from his goal and chested the ball down in Edison-esque fashion before passing it to Foden. And then Foden did some mad skill and they went up the pitch. That was probably the one exciting moment from City's perspective in the first half. A little word on Ortega, because he's obviously played this game a dead rubber, um, he played against Dortmund, surprisingly. Have uh, you been impressed with him? I think he's looked quite handy. Like He looks, as far as goalkeeper, um, reserve goalkeepers go, he looks like one of the best going at the minute. Yeah, I don't think he's done much wrong. I, I had my head down in my laptop. But I wasn't really paying too much attention. And suddenly everyone's panicking. I see Ortega in the middle of the pitch. And I look, the, the panic on his face when he realised he maybe shouldn't have done that um, was, was quite funny. I, yeah, I don't think he's had much to do. He's... He had quite a lot of shots to save against Dortmund, but nothing that you think would would trouble him. Probably couldn't have done much about the goal um, against Sevilla, which was quite a nice looping header. Um, and yeah, that's exactly what City want from their their reserve keeper. I'd imagine that he probably plays against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. Um, he's probably earned that. Um, so yeah, um, City like to have a, a second goalkeeper who can stand in and do what all the other keepers do, which is play out from the back. And um, Zach Steffen did an okay job for a while last season until he decided to gift Liverpool uh, an FA Cup final place last season. And and now it's Ortega's turn to to see if he can can do that. He's not going to displace Edison. Guardiola said that after the Dortmund game. He was asked, "Is Edison coming back?" And he was, it, it was just one word. It's like, yes, of course, of course, he's coming back. It's Edison is first place, but uh, yeah, Ortega will get a few chances he won't be going to the World Cup I don't think he's near the German squad anymore so a chance to put his feet up and then uh, there'll be a few cup games in the uh, in the uh, after Christmas when the when the season comes back and um, one time he might be needed is uh, it's the Carabao Cup fourth round is it the fourth round now the the round after um, the Chelsea game should they get through is um, it's only a couple of days after the World Cup final so um, that might be a game where a few fringe players, in, including Ortega, might be needed. And, you know, as we say, City won 3 1, uh, dead rubber, that got a bit of excitement to it. But, you know, they, they were a bit kind of flat and listless in the first half, Joe. And this City, they haven't been firing all cylinders for a fair few weeks now. We'll talk about Leicester in a bit more detail in a minute, but they only managed to scrape past them 1 0. Is, is there a bit of concern about the way they're playing at the minute and lack of chances being created? Harland obviously injured at the moment. Is, is there any concern, do you reckon, or is it just a case of 
they're still winning. They're still only lost one game. Kind of click, you know, go keep going along, get to the World Cup, three games left, get there in a good position and then come back after that, rejuvenate and then try and hit your top form in the, the new year time. I was asked this last night at the game and it was, when was the last time City played well? And it seems odd United. to say, given the, given the record, and we pretty much settled on United, maybe Southampton at home, but mm. the opposition didn't give any sort of real test in, in return. Um, yeah, the Wolves game was Wolves before or after United. That before. They played quite well there. Okay, so it's probably United. They didn't really play well against um, Brighton. For, for the most part anyway and a lot of that was down to Brighton playing well in in return but yeah it's they've, they've been doing enough and that's all you need to do um in the Champions League they've got a couple of draws and and not scraped through towards the end but they, they did the hard work early on and that gave them the opportunity to rest and rotate and maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit and um they're not going to win every competition by playing at the best every every single game they need to manage it and just do what they they need to do to get through each each result and at the moment that's what they're doing if if you offered City three wins but not playing well at all until the World Cup they'd, they'd snap your hand off and, and and that's what it is and that's what they've done in previous years where they put loads of runs together is just getting the habit of winning and doing what you need to do to win and getting that rhythm and in those sort of 10, 15, 20 game winning runs in the past they've not played well for every single game in all of them but they've they've won and doing that and I think um might have been Ruben Diaz said that just winning that game was important because keeping winning going, keeping the momentum, keeping the confidence high, especially in the sort of fringe players, um, will sort of be beneficial in the long run. They could have just decided at, at one nil to Sevilla that there's no need to bring on the likes of De Bruyne and Cancelo and Rodri. I was surprised that all three even step foot on the pitch, I thought they'd be given a full night off. But the fact that Guardiola did, he called on his um, key men. They won the game for City and now they're in a better position going into to these final three games. So um, I don't think it would be too much of a concern for Guardiola. He, he knows he, and he always says it's all about winning. So as long as enough players are doing enough to win the games, I think they'll, they'll be happy enough for now. And um, as he said, let uh, earlier this week, I think it was before Sevilla, that he'll have a few days off after they face Brentford and then he'll have a proper look at a deep dive into the tactics from uh, the opening few fixtures and that should set them up well for for the remainder of the season and if they are doing anything wrong now, anything they can improve on, then I'm sure those six weeks are time for Guardiola to identify him. Absolutely. Well, So as we say, that is the end of the Champions League group stages now. The draw for the last uh, 16 um, is on next Monday, uh, the 7th of November. And um, it could be quite an interesting draw. There's been, you know, while there was no drama in City's group, there was a quite a bit of it elsewhere and some interesting teams have gotten through. Um, the other second-place sides um, were, well, Liverpool, but obviously City cannot draw Liverpool as they're from the same country, which is obviously handy. We don't want that too early, do we? But the other possible opponents for City is Club Brugge, which, oh, oh, knowing the look of City, is almost <laughs> certain to happen. Um, uh, Inter, Eintracht Frankfurt, AC Milan, RB Leipzig, um, obviously can't get Borussia Dortmund, or, or the other one, which would be quite amusing, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, you know, for the, it seems, you know, with the likes of Juventus going out and uh, Barcelona, it's quite not quite as, it's quite a favourable 
kind of group of second teams there, I'd say, Joe. What, apart from PSG, obviously, which no one will want to face straight off the bat, what, what do you reckon City be looking for there? There's, there, I'd, I'd say there's like a lot of good kind of Europa League candidate mm. winning teams there. So AC Milan are the reigning Serie A champions and Inter have finished second. They're obviously quite high calibre, but none of them you'd imagine should give City much trouble, obviously, apart from PSG. Yeah, I think City would fancy the chances of beating either of the Milan sides. Um, normally, you'd say Bruges, but Guardiola name-checked them the other day and said, we beat them twice comfortably last season and suddenly they're... Did, did, no, well, they didn't win the group because they, they finished second, but they, uh, they they got some good results and finished ahead of Atletico Madrid, for example. So they're clearly a good side. Um, Leipzig as well. It, it's interesting that all three group opponents from last year, Leipzig, Bruges and PSG, could be opponents this year. Um, I doubt fans would really get themselves up for trips to Leipzig or, or Frankfurt, but they are both winnable ties and uh, maybe not easy. They might be fairly tight uh, sort of contested games, but no, I think, yeah, uh, either Bruges or Leipzig or, or Frankfurt is probably ideal then one of the the Milan sides is uh, you wouldn't complain too much and just avoid 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 PSG because I think City would fancy the chances of winning but probably would want them further down the line yeah that's that's a lot of drama early in the Champions League <laughs> for getting PSG so soon so leave that to somebody else we'll of course be back next week to talk about the Champions League draw and all it's a uh, glory and it'll be on the website as well but let's first let's kind of turn our attention back to the Premier League of course City did defeat Leicester last weekend you were there Joe we won't touch um, too much on it now since it's past news but a 1-0 win um, had to rely on a late but absolutely great Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> free kick um, how, how was that game and you know De Bruyne won a goal it sounds like a Guardiola's already changing his tune on him not being quite good enough yet yeah it I'd not seen any of the previous City visits to Leicester. And as soon it got to about half an hour in, and I, I turned to Simon and said, I know why all of these games finish 1 0 or 2 0 to City, because Leicester are very, very good at putting men behind the ball, limiting the space, doing enough on the break to keep City back a little bit and making it tight. I think Brendan Rodgers said after the game that their plan was for 70 minutes was to shut up shop and and see what they could do and then have a go late on. And uh, that's how the game planned out. He's, he, I like Rodgers because he explains his tactics afterwards and he always seems to be have a very good plan to, to play against City. It might not always work, but he knows how to stop City playing. And that's what they did. And yeah, it took a run from Grealish, win the free kick, Fantastic goal from Kevin De Bruyne um, just to break that deadlock. And it was an important time shortly after our time. Um, and then Leicester had to decide to come out or not. And they could have got an equaliser. They they really hammered on the door late on, uh, made some good substitutions at good times. Um, and yeah, you just had to look at Guardiola at full time, went straight to the away end, gave, um, I, I don't want to compare these two, but he gave some fist bumps that Jurgen Klopp would be proud of. And uh, it, was a, it was as much relief more than anything at full time. But I think there was also a lot of pride in in the way that City fought really hard in a, a very, very tough game. And yeah, De Bruyne, a week before against Brighton, he'd scored that really, really lovely goal to make it 3-1. And Guardiola said, no, he can do better. He knows what he needs to do. He's he's still not firing. And then 
against Leicester. He says he's back, and but he but not because of the free kick, more because of his sort of actions on and off the ball and getting involved. And I've got to say, I thought he was better against Brighton, but uh, yeah, what do I know compared to to Pep Guardiola? And uh, I asked De Bruyne about it in the in the uh, mix zone afterwards, and I said, what what do you make of of Guardiola saying that one week you've got a lot to do and you, you're far from your best in the next week that you're back. And he, he just sort of laughed and shrugged his shoulders and said, well, what can I say to that? If that's what the manager's saying, then who am I to argue? And he said he thought he was doing well and he doesn't take it as criticism. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it seems like De Bruyne didn't take it too much to heart and uh, he was more than happy to get two goals in two weeks and two very good goals at that. Absolutely, I know, and then a great assist on uh, on Wednesday to yeah. top it all off. So yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go out and I don't, who am I to question Guardiola? <laughs> but I'm going to say I think he's quite good. I'm going to put my neck on the line there. <laughs> I think he's decent. I think he's half decent. You know, he's not, he's not bad, but you know, it's a bit more good news for City as well. You know, a good win. Um, still within two points of Arsenal at the top, who had a resounding five 0 win of their own at Nottingham Forest. So you know that that tie race is. Thankfully, keep staying spicy for those of us who are neutrals and want to see um, a bit of competition at the top. Arsenal's still going strong. Um, but a bit of more good news for City is that Calvin Phillips and Kyle Walker, both back in training, even better news for England, of course, ahead of the World Cup. And the squad, the squads can't be far away now, surely. Do we, do we know when they're getting announced? Uh, next week, I think. Next week, so, yeah. So that's, that's certainly good news for all involved. Um, but for City especially, still feels like it'd be surprising if they played maybe in that Carabao Cup game. Depending on how much importance Guardiola places on it, I'd get, I'd, I'd guess. But I'd be surprised if, if either kind of play for City before the World Cup. But really good to see him back in training on the mend. Tenth uh, of November is the squad. Just, uh, just been informed. So uh, next Thursday, Guardiola said on Tuesday that he doesn't think that either player of Phillips or Walker will necessarily get to play before the World Cup, or at least before the squad's announced. But he did say that they were both likely to be fit for for England, maybe not the first couple of group games, but then then it's the dilemma of does Southgate take players who are um who haven't been playing and in, in Phillips's case he's played about fifteen minutes of, of Premier League football all season and he had a big chunk out last season. He's only played about six or seven games in twenty twenty two. So while he's closer and he's back in training and um, building up sort of to full contact and, and building up that fitness again, I think England would probably prefer Walker to be at that stage just for his importance to the squad and his ability to play in that back three um, and help the likes of John Stones and Harry Maguire. I'm not sure, given the fact that he's not played for England for a while, I don't think Phillips... I don't think he's going to play that much at the World Cup, even if he is selected. I think England's midfield is going to be Rice and Bellingham, isn't it? Um, and yes, he knows the system. And I don't know. I, th- I think he might benefit more from staying staying back. He, you can't deny him a shot at the World Cup, but maybe long term, if he has those six weeks to really work hard and have a rest and and then work on the training ground and come back firing at Christmas, I think maybe that could be better for him. But it no one's going to tell him that he can't go to the World Cup and he's got a chance. So, um, it, yeah, I'd love to see him uh, maybe in that Carabao Cup game, like you say, off the bench or something. But it sounds like he might not play or definitely won't start for City in the final three games. 
Absolutely. Well, fingers fingers crossed for those two. Like I say, three games left now before the break. Starts with um, uh, all of them at home as well, which is must be quite a quite a nice rare treat. But um, that starts with Fulham on Saturday. I presume it's Saturday. They actually check that. But Fulham, um, <laughs> they're doing really well after coming it up from. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> they're doing really well since coming up from the championship, surprising everyone, namely me, who had them for going back down. Uh, but Marco Silva doing a really good job. The seventh in the league, which is quite uh, quite the um, quite the achievement. Um, City recently played Fulham. It's, it's usually been an absolute whitewash City's way because Fulham are the type of team that Guardiola loves and will love to praise so much. A team that will come and try and play their way a little bit against City and uh, inevitably get smashed. They've got a bit about them this time and a really decent canny midfield and obviously Mitrovic up front. How do you see this one going? It's another one that City should be winning. Um, maybe Fulham, they're having a good season, like you say. They're confident. They seem to be playing a bit more um, progressively than we've seen previous Fulham sides do in the Premier League. Um, normally, you would put this down as a comfortable home win. I think was it, it was last season in um, in the FA Cup they came to the Etihad and I think took the lead in four minutes and yes City went on to win but um, it's a similar squad uh, I think Fulham will look to do the same and uh, maybe catch City on the break and and try and try and get something they're not short of confidence as you say they're, they're doing really well this season they've um, bloodied a few noses already so I think it'll be a good test for City it'll keep them on the toes but anything less than three points will be um, a disappointment. And yeah, the same goes for, for Brentford a week later. Good side, confident. Um, like you say, Guardiola will praise them and their manager for, for playing their own way. And uh, we always like to see teams have a go at City because it's far more interesting. But City, if City don't get six points from these games, then they'll be really disappointed. And especially with um, Arsenal playing Chelsea, I think, this weekend. And Guardiola made a point of pointing out all the other the other fixtures going on and where other teams can can drop points. City needs to back that up with with their own six points. So if, if other points are dropped, they're on hand to, to capitalise. Okay, a score prediction out of you? Um, 4-1 City. Oof, ambitious. I'll go 3-0. <laughs> and of course, we'll have all the match coverage from this weekend's game over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. And we, of course, the Talk City podcast, We'll be back next week to dissect that game, to look at um, City's Champions League draw. And of course, is is Chelsea next week, midweek? Yeah, Wednesday. Well, we'll certainly be looking forward to that and maybe another little episode um, afterwards to talk about what happens in that game as well. Mm -hmm. But until then, everyone, thank you very much for listening. You can, of course, get all our work um, at Manchester City, MAN on Twitter and the Facebook page is Manchester Evening News for um, Dash Manchester City. You can get myself on Twitter at Dan Murphy MEN and you can get Joe on Twitter at underscore Joe Bray. Now that's great. And everyone, thank you very much once again for listening. We'll be back next week. But until then, turn